and welcome to Growing Pains, the marketing podcast for parent and baby brands who want to grow and get more consistent sales, but without the overwhelm of feeling like you have to be online 24-7. I'm Sophie, your host and a Facebook and Instagram ad strategist who specializes in parent and baby brands, as well as a mum of two girls. Join me each week as I, alongside some wonderful guests, share practical tips and advice about how you can use and combine marketing strategies to get more impact for your effort. A quick warning before we start, I can get a little bit sweary, so just be careful of any little ears listening along. Today, I am thrilled to be here with Vicky from Lemonade Social. We're going to be talking all about influencer marketing, which I'm so excited for. Vicky's got 20 years experience in B2C marketing and before launching Lemonade Social in 2018, she spent five years working in the creative solutions team at the Evening Standard, working with brands like British Airways, Starbucks and Andrew Lloyd Webber Productions. Prior to that role, Vicky worked for a film partnerships agency, working on above and below the line media partnerships and promotions with clients including Walt Disney Studios and 20th Century Fox. Vicky now specializes in organic social media management and influencer marketing and has managed social media campaigns for Celebrity Mum and Dad of the Year, Instagram Story brand takeovers and new product launches. So I think it's safe to say we're in very good hands to explore more about how brands and businesses can work with influencers. Vicky, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk to you today. But so before we jump into it, let's talk a little bit about you. What's your like work family life setup? I live in a house of boys. Oh my uh, gosh. You're like the total opposite to me, aren't yeah, you? I'm like, yeah. we're all about the girls in our house and you're like the opposite. There's a lot of football chat in this house. I yeah. just learned to embrace it. Yeah. No you kind of got to, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. There's no point fighting against it. Yeah. So I've, I work mainly from home or the local Starbucks, depending on... Yeah. If, if a lot of the time it just depends on whether it's raining or not and I could be bothered to walk down there yeah so that's kind of where and then you know there's bits in the evening sat on my laptop on the knee you know in front of the telly yeah, doing bits classic. and pieces the the juggle yeah yeah and how old are your kids my eldest is six and my youngest is about to turn one oh. so yeah yeah, very similar ages to my kids, actually. I've got a five-year-old and a one-year-old. So, yeah, I can empathise with the juggle of that age gap. Yeah, it's an interesting mix. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Fab. So now we know a bit more about you. We are going to do the quick fire round. So nothing to be scared of. We're just going to find out all okay. the really important stuff. So do you prefer tea or coffee? Coffee. <laughs> Always. I like that. It was like straight away Starbucks. Is that <laughs> Is that a favourite or is that just the local? <laughs> yes, it is probably my favourite. That, yeah, that and Nero, but coffee for the caffeine. Definitely. Yeah, I know, just the end. Of you. I know. Um, dogs or cats? Dogs. dogs no always. question. No question. Uh, bagels or crumpets? Do you know what? I've been eating loads of bagels recently. This is a really hard one for me. Well, I'm going to go with crumpets. Nice. I mean, I do love a crumpet. One of my other guests told me that bagels have really high protein in them. So since then, I felt like really quite good about eating them. I've been buying the thin bagels. Mm, yeah, I like seeds them. seeds on, which are really nice. But I feel yeah. I should stick with crumpets. I do love a crumpet. I know. I love a crumpet too. Uh, beach or pool? Beach. Nice. Uh, winter or summer? Summer. Colour or monochrome? Colour. Just not quite as decisive on that one. Yeah, well, not. I'm, 
yeah, see, monochrome, I think, you know, if you live in like the Tawi and it's all white and grey and I don't like yeah. that. I like a bit of colour. Yeah, no colour. Yeah, yeah. splash of colour. Yeah. yeah. Uh, early morning or late night? Me? <laughs> I need a late morning Pro- and an early night. I'm probably a late night, but not too late. Yeah, no, not, not too, too late. late. No, I know. My ideal is like if I'm home and in bed by like 11, half 11. Yes, that's the dream. Yeah. I mean, normally at home, I'm not going to bed that late. Normally, I'm not upstairs by about half nine. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, if I'm going out, I like to be home by midnight. Like yes, Cinderella. <laughs> Brilliant. Right, let's talk influencers. So, first of all, I thought it might be helpful if we kind of just talk about what would we class when we're talking about influencers who are we talking about? Let's get a bit of a common kind of knowledge of what we're talking about. So an, ooh, an influencer, as the name kind of gives you, is someone that will influence you into buying something. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think influencers themselves love the term much, but that's unfortunately what they're now known as. I guess what you would, if we're going to go back a bit, it's what bloggers evolved into. So where people used to just have a blog and used to review products or share their day or if they, you know, it was a travel blog or a beauty blog. And obviously when Instagram came along and YouTube and things, it evolved into calling them influencers. So that's where brands could send them a product, supply them product, pay them to review something. And then that would in turn influence their audience into buying said product. Yeah. So that's, and obviously it's evolved quite rapidly in probably the last two three years it's really kind of got some steam behind it and you find that businesses of a lot more of share of their marketing budget in influencer marketing and it kind of tallies up with the reduction in marketing spend on traditional print advertising or advertorials and then the money's now gone into influencer marketing because if you looked at something like cosmopolitan magazine for example which i believe it's not in print anymore but i could be wrong that might have back in the day had over a million um, copies sold, but now it could be 300,000 where you could pay yeah. an influencer that's got a million followers. So it, it, there's a very clear link as to when print advertising spend has gone down and influencer marketing spend has gone up. It's really interesting, isn't it? How like much more accessible it is as well for like smaller businesses now. Oh like- yeah, definitely. I mean, when I started my career in media partnerships, it was. I mean, that was back in the day when it was contra deal. So you would, this is how long ago it was. You could supply the magazine with a TV and a Blu-ray player. Remember those? Oh my God. And as a prize, and they would give you a page in the magazine. Obviously you can't really do that anymore. But that's sort of how you can work with some influencers. But a page in, you know, a magazine, in the Heat magazine or something would have been tens of thousands of pounds, which is just not achievable for a small business. So yeah. Influencers are much more attainable for small brands, so which I think is a really good thing because it can really catapult their brand. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not talking, are we, about everyone working with people who have like a million followers? No. So are there different kind of levels as to who you might think there about working are with? Different levels. There, so there's macro, micro, and mega influencers, and also nano influencers. So nano ones. I mean, you and I technically are nano influencers. A few oh of my thousand followers. I'm on the edge. I'm you're on, on the, the edge. Nine you're on the edge. Oh, so you can become a micro influencer soon. I can become a nano influencer. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. nano's a few in a thousand. Micro influencers is, I would say, 
a majority of the ones that I tend to work with, it's between 10,000 and 100,000 followers. And then macro influences, 100,000 and a million. And then mega influences, which is over a million. So that tends to be celebrities. Yeah. So like your real big, big hitters. But I would say the sweet spot for most brands is the micro influencers. And that's 10,000 to 100,000. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty big range, but it still feels quite achievable, like kind of targeting those kind of people, doesn't it? Not all of them are under agency being managed by agencies there's quite a lot of them you can still build like direct relationships with I guess yeah there's there's a huge it it varies massively actually there is some that are quite small that obviously do a lot themselves traditionally as they tend to get bigger they might get an agency on board to help manage them obviously get deals in and things but then there are influencers that might have nearly a hundred thousand followers that just like to do it themselves because maybe they don't want to pay an agency a bit of a fee Yeah. And especially if they've got a a background in marketing or they feel confident doing it. Okay. So we're, so we're talking about people who influence other people. So, and we know roughly we're looking for 10,000 to 100,000. So what would be like the steps we would go through if we think, right, okay, we want to dabble in influencer marketing. Where would we start? I think what you kind of want to do is have a look at your followers. Who's following you? Are there any influencers that might already follow you? Because that, I would say you'd class that as the low-hanging fruit because they're ones that are already following you because they obviously like your brand, they like your product. So they will be ones that it's worth starting to engage with. You wouldn't tend to go in cold with an influencer and say, can I gift you some product? Because it might be a bit of a surprise. They'll be like, "What? what I don't know what this is. It's all, it, you want to develop a relationship with them. And that can be spending some time looking at some influencers that um, are a good fit for your brand, that might be in that it's depending on obviously what you sell for say say for example you you um sell baby products and you're looking at influencers and you're looking at ones that have just had a baby so it would make sense for you to kind of follow them engage with their product and then after you've been talking to them you know commenting on their posts and engaging a few months down the line you might drop them a message and say oh i've seen that you've just started your weaning journey can i send you some of our bowls and plates and bibs and things then it kind of makes sense and it feels a little bit more natural and then they're more inclined to be like, oh yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to try your product. Obviously with smaller brands, you kind of need to work out how much, when you haven't got budget to spend to pay influencers, gifting is a really good way to do it. But you need to think about how much you're willing to give away because yeah. there is potential there for them to take the product and then you never hear from them again. It's unlikely, there isn't many that do it, but I think some industries are worse than others. I would say the mum and baby influencers are very good at doing what they say they're going to do. I think other um, arenas like beauty and fashion, I think they you, do, you can come across influencers that will take the product and then disappear off the face of the earth. But that is very rare, so I don't want that to put people off. But yes, would you, you try and get them to like agree to what you so if you're just I guess there's different levels of working with influencers gifting I guess is the lowest level in terms of commitment would you say like in that example you gave like would you mind if I send you some of our plates and bibs in exchange for you talking about them or would you just hope that was implied I tend to say we'd really love you to gift your items and if you love the product it'd be great if you can share it with your followers um no obligation but they know they're not stupid they get it and they'll say to you, look, I've had it before when I've been doing it on behalf of brands. I've already worked with the brand or I've already got some of the products. It's just no point. You, very rarely now will they just take it as I say, and disappear. But if just be really friendly, you know, they don't buy. Say, you know, if you really like it, 
I'd love it if you share it with your your followers. And a lot of the time they're happy to do that if they really like the product, especially if it's something that they're going to be using. So if it was weaning products, for example, and they do share a lot of recipes or pictures of their child, you know, feeding yeah, them and stuff, easy. they can tag the brand that way. Another way kind of to sweeten them a little bit more is to say, oh, if you really love to, I'd also love to offer your followers, followers 10% off and give them a code. So that nice. again is a re- and I've, I've done that with a brand recently and it's just a really nice way of, because it influences, especially now, I think a lot more conscious of becoming too salesy. Yeah. There's um, a couple of influencers recently have said, look, I, I've just, I've got loads of brand deals happening this month. It's, that's just how it landed. I didn't mean to do this many. I'm really sorry. Like, I hope you can happy to support me in this, that and the other. Which I think is really nice because I think it shows that they do care about their audience. So actually offering them a discount to give their audience is a really nice way for them to feel like they're giving back. And it's not, you know, they because they want, they want to be authentic to their audience. Their audience is their bread and butter. If they suddenly lost all their audience, that's their business gone. So they want yeah. to keep their audience happy. They don't want to come across as that they will sell their soul for anything. So I think giving a discount, and it can just be 10 or 15%. It doesn't need to be a huge discount. You, you know, it could be valid if you only wanted it valid over a long weekend or a week or something, you can stipulate that. But I think that is a really nice way of kind of cementing the relationship with the influencer. And it's quite, and if it's, not too expensive for you to give those products it can be a really cost of cost effective way of kind of dipping your toe in and just seeing how it goes yeah and I guess as well from a marketing perspective if you're doing it with a few different influencers and you give them a different code each you can see you know whose audiences really are engaged or really are dialed into a similar kind of audience and then I guess if you wanted to explore further working with them it would be easier for you to choose who to yeah. do that with I guess it must be quite hard sometimes to link back sales to to work that influencers have done yeah definitely and that's what a lot of bigger brands tend to do is that they'll do exactly that they'll gift out some product with discount codes they'll look at which ones have been sort of successful and that's when you then might think okay let's get some budget let's actually do a proper partnership and pay them and what a lot of brands are doing now, especially beauty brands, I noticed this with first, they're having what they would call brand ambassadors. So rather mm. than it being kind of a one hit wonder, one product, one post or a set of stories and that's it, they will work with that influencer for a period of six months or even a year. They'll send them each of their new releases that the influencer obviously shared with their audience that I'm working with. I know Beauty Pie do this a lot. I'm working with Beauty Pie this year. They're going to send me all their products. I'm going to showcase you to tell you what I use. And again, obviously, it's good for the brand because it cements their relationship. They work with influencers they know they can rely on. They know they've got a good, engaged audience. And it also helps that that is a brand that the audience will regularly see on that influencer. So there's, again, there's that, there's that trust there that like, okay, if they've cemented a six-month relationship, this must be a good brand. And it's just a really nice way of packaging it together and it feeling quite authentic and it's not just churning out brand post after brand post and it's all just different things and one minute you're liking this brand of shower gel and the next minute it's another one and it's all a bit convoluted and it doesn't there isn't a theme to it whereas I think brand ambassadors is definitely the route that I think a lot of brands are going to go down. I think that's really interesting and I think from a small business perspective as well that it's great to have that link over a longer period of time because it means you're not constantly looking for new 
influencers all the time. I see quite a lot in the baby world. I don't know if this is common across other industries as well, but you know, I think a lot of people dip their toe into influencer marketing by sort of putting a shout out and getting brand ambassadors and people who kind of get a discount off their products and pop it up on their grid and that sort of thing. Is that something that's so common? Because I think that's like a starter level almost, isn't it? Yeah, I don't even really see that in the baby world. And I think that's partly because there's a lot of small brands that are starting out that want Mm. content because that's what you need, especially for Instagram. You need content. So they're looking for people that have got beautiful children that can take great photos and they're willing to give them some product and a discount code in exchange. It's it's similar sort of... things we talk about with the magazine so it's on a contra deal basis i'll give you the you know you scratch your back i'll scratch my yeah. other thing no the other way around no <laughs> the it, person gets some nice products for their kids and they can they've both got stuff to kind of grow their instagram accounts yeah and it's just and for the would-be influencer is there sometimes that's how their kind of entry into influencer mm. that's what they want to do if they want to grow their page because they've just had a baby or something that's kind of where they can get started because obviously it gives them reach through the brands, obviously tagging them and vice versa. So it, that's sort of an entry level. But it, yeah, it's strange that you only tend to see that in the, the baby world. I've not noticed it much elsewhere. Yeah, um, I mean, I think it's a great way to kind of dip your toe in. And I think, again, like what we spoke about earlier, if you're doing that with, say, five or ten brand ambassadors, the next level really is to then see what kind of content they create and would you get to a point where you would then, I guess the next level would be to start paying them to create you content and developing that relationship more for both of you really to get more content for you and for them to start actually earning an income from it. Yeah, because you both, that's the thing with um, Instagram, you just need loads of content. You just constantly need content, which is why it's good to have a handful of brand ambassadors that you can regularly send stuff to, that they can take photos that you can then use. And, you know, if it's photos or if it's reels or if it's stories, it's just a good way of keeping the content wheel enough. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I know it's endless, isn't it? And I guess as well, is it just from an Instagram perspective, just because there's so many different types of content, as you were saying, like keeping the Instagram content wheel alive. I mean, you've got stories, reels, you know, carousels, beautiful lifestyle images. Would you kind of, I guess, as you progress and do more and more, would you start looking at different influencers for different types of content as well? Yeah, I tend to, because obviously reels now, you can't get away from them. No. It's like Instagram is like, you will have reels and you, you will, will have like reels them. and you will enjoy it. <laughs> So I've, I've done it recently for a few clients is that I'm looking at influencers, specifically ones that are good at creating reels. Mm. And if you're gifting them some products, you might say, would you mind creating a reel? Or could you create a reel for this? Sometimes they're happy to do it. Sometimes they might say, actually, because that is a li- little bit more time consuming than if it's just a couple of photos or a couple of stories. So that's when you might need to pay them. And it might only be a few hundred pounds. It might, you know. Don't think that you'll need to, you need to pay influence thousands and thousands of pounds because that's really not the case. Um, well, that's a good question, actually. So, like, how much does it cost? I mean, is it directly related to their followers, their engagement levels? Like, is it just how much they decide to charge you? Like, how, I feel like it's a little bit of a dark art in that way. Like, no one really shares. Like, I would love to say there is a specific price for each yeah. of them, but there absolutely is not. It's a little bit of a wild west. And it, a lot of it will depend on whether they have an agent, because obviously an agent takes fees off top of that, and they will tend to be a little bit more expensive. Yeah. But I would say an influencer with 1,000 to 10,000 followers can charge anywhere up to about £500 
for a grid post, okay, which may or may not be a carousel, so there might be more than one post in that, or a mega influencers with over a million followers, they could even charge it in excess of £5,000 for one post. I did one recently for a brand. He had, I think it was just under 800,000 followers and it was 15,000, this was dollars, for three wow. stories. So like less than a minute. Three to, stories? Yeah. yeah. Crikey. Which some brands will see value in that. In this yeah. instance, it didn't. It wasn't going to work for the brand. But if you were wanting to just get some sales through the till, and they and you were going really hard in with an offer like twenty five percent off, and you were giving them the code, and they were including the link, it may be worth doing. But I think overall, you'd look at the campaign as a whole before you just spent fifteen thousand dollars on one person. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you know, for most of our listeners, we'll be looking at, at the like more of the micro yeah, kind definitely. of level. So, I mean, like, really, I'm sorry if these are really stupid questions, but like, are we paying different amounts for stories versus posts versus reels? Or is it more of like, do you pay for like a package? It, or is it just, again, it, just completely different? It varies. They tend to sort of start off with you... How it works with a lot of agencies, they'll send you kind of that influencer's media's pack and it will say, for a post, it's this. For a yeah. post and a set of stories, it's this. For a post, some stories and reels, it's this. Or if you can mix and match. But don't for a second think you can't negotiate. There's wiggle okay. room. So if, say, for example, one post and three stories, because it tends to, we tend to group the stories into three, it was sort of 700 pounds, but you only had 600 pounds. You could go back to them and say, look, is there anything you can do for £600? And they might say, okay, we'll do you grid posts and two stories. Or, or they might say, okay, actually, yeah, let's go with, that's fine. We'll do that for £600. So don't think that you can't negotiate. And, you know, the worst thing they'll do is say, no, they're not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then always, that's fine. Yeah, it's always yeah. worth asking and saying, look, oh, the budget isn't quite that. I've got 600 or just saying, I've got £600. What could you do for that? And yeah. I think... It is good to, if you can, get a grid post and stories into the mix. I think it's quite good value. And then reels, obviously reels you can post on the grid. It's good for reach. I think the, the jury's still out a little bit on whether it's great for like discount codes and things. I think if you're going to give mm. a discount, you definitely want stories and a grid post in the mix just because it feels a little bit more permanent. Yeah. Reels, I, I, I wonder, I don't know how you think about this, how when you're scrolling through reels how many times you actually read the copy on the post yeah i would agree and i think as well with stories obviously everyone has the link now yeah so to be able to be able to click through straight onto the website and see i do think is a massive massive bonus there as well and i think as well one thing i was actually talking to a friend about this the other day it's really interesting isn't it when you're pitching so when you were saying like oh the budget's only 600 pounds I feel like it's easier to say that as the as not as the owner of the business. So it's different saying like I only have six hundred pounds versus the business's budget is only six hundred pounds. Yeah. So some I was saying that I have a separate email address for that sometimes I send emails out from that I don't feel like I can I don't know what you know what I mean like mentally it's like oh I'm really sorry but I only have six hundred pounds. Actually, it's like. The budget for the business is only £600. Just feels more, I don't know. There's like a mental thing there that I probably need to work through. But I was talking to my friend and we were saying that sometimes it helps to take on that separate 
persona if you feel a bit scared about asking for a discount like yes, you're get right. someone else almost yeah. like kind of create a different persona to ask for the discount and then I think in opposite to that yeah if, go on if you're doing the gifting I actually think that's sometimes nicer to come from the owner because yes I think from the gifting it's yes. like oh yeah. this is your brand oh my god I, I'd love to help like because you you create that relationship with them so it feels like they're helping a specific person whereas if it's a big brand I think I was thinking more about if you were approaching an agency yeah where you feel like they're more of like a a business you know and you're like you feel like okay I need to kind of up my game here (laughs) so okay so we've kind of we've looked for influencers that are in our niche have similar ideal clients we've kind of built a relationship with them we've maybe done some gifting and then worked with them I guess just from a really practical perspective like what sort of things should you be thinking about like with I don't know, con- is it contracts or, you know, like that sort of the next step. Once you've said, right, okay, this is the price. I'm going to do these three stories. Like what's the next You want to think there? about if so, if you've got, say you, you've decided on four influencers and you've agreed budgets and things, you want to look at whether you want to do them all on the same day or do you want to spread it out? I think there's pluses and minuses to both of those things. I don't think this, there, there isn't really a hard and fast rule. I think it just depends on what, if, if it's a, new product launch for example you Mm. might find that doing it all on the same day you know launches you with a bang where if it's just a little bit more of a brand awareness exercise you might find that you do one on Monday one on Wednesday and then save the others for the weekend or whatever there's not really a rule around when they post it but you want to have that agreed and also times of day so if you find that your page and your audience is most active in the evening you can say that to them or they might they obviously know their audience better. They might say, actually, my audience doesn't really get wake up until yeah. after seven o'clock. Trust what they tell you about their audience because they know them best. Um, as and as as will their agents as well. They'll be able to give you a steer on what will work for that influencer. But obviously, if there is something you really don't feel comfortable with, then you can say, and it's it's just something that you can chat through. So yes, yeah, sort of times of day. Think about as well. You want to send them a tracked link so you can see how much traffic's coming to them and obviously bespoke codes that we talked about. You want to have a look at as well. If you can use, especially if it's stories, use their content for your Facebook advertising or your paid advertising because that is a separate conversation that you need to have at the beginning of all of this with your ad manager because obviously there's certain things, as you know, that you can and can't do in paid ads. So if you're going to go down that route, make sure you know that at the beginning and you've had a chat with your ad manager because I've had that before where it was kind of a bit too late. They sort of said, oh, actually, can we Mm. use this in an ad? And it just didn't work as an advert, which was a bit of a shame. So that's something, if you think you want to do that, put some money behind it, have a chat with your ad manager so you know the do's and don'ts. But then you also need to mention that to the influencers. They may charge you a little bit more. Some don't, but some do. It won't be a huge amount more, but... They might say, okay, yes, you can use this as an ad for three more weeks for an extra £100. But that, again, that needs to be clear. That needs to be in the contract. So you would put in the contract, you know, we're using this for a paid advert on Facebook and Instagram until the 31st of May or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that, again, is a really nice way of just making the partnership go that little bit further. For a, it is a little bit more budget if they're charging you but it's definitely something to to consider and as I say have a chat with your ad manager about it and you also just want to consider when you've agreed when it's going live when what you have got 
organically on your page because if you're driving all these potential new followers you want your best content as the first few posts so if it is you're launching a new product you want to make sure you've got plenty of content so when they're finding your page and they're scrolling through it's interesting content that that will engage them so that's one to think about as well if you're you know if you're hopefully getting all these new followers to your page you want to draw them in yeah, no, absolutely. That's really good advice, actually. And something I was talking about on one of the previous podcasts is about having that mix of content as well. So think about the fact that people, we kind of get into that headspace sometimes, I think, don't we, of like assuming people know what we do. Mm-hmm. So having that content that's like literally spells out what you do, what you offer, so that when someone lands on your page, they're not like, oh, I don't really know what this no. is. <laughs> Brilliant. That's so helpful. So one thing as well I wanted to just talk about a little bit was first of all, the mega influencers, right? So they're not going to be the ones that most of us are going to be like, okay, I'm going to get, you know, some celebrity to share my product. But I have worked with a few brands who have got endorsements from the mega celebs. So one brand I work with had a like five or six stories from Joe Wicks about their product, his daughter using their product and how much he loved it. And their sales went insane. Like yeah. they, they, they couldn't <laughs> keep up with them, like the traffic to the website, yeah. like it was incredible. And actually he'd, he'd actually bought and paid for the products and did it totally unbeknown mm. to the brand. But also I've worked with people who have just canvassed you know, and just sent products to either the celebrities' agents or tried to get hold of, you know, their address or somewhere to send it. Would you advise just kind of going for a punt or would you just say, you know? Again, I think if what you sell it is that, that value to you, whatever the product is worth to you, if you, I think it might, might be worth you sitting down and thinking, okay, how much potential product can I afford to lose mm. and get nothing back from it? Yeah. And then obviously if you do decide to send it to, Joe Wicks's agent or whoever, then you know what the potential loss is. You're not going to lose any more, but potentially if they like it and they share it, it could be really beneficial to you. But I think you just need to spend a little bit of time. And even just if you're going to do gifting and speak to them directly, I think you want to sit down and think, okay, how much a product am I willing to give away for free um, on a bit of a punt? But I think it's worth dipping the toe in because it can be really beneficial. And like you said, I've seen it with brands so many times is that a big influencer has mentioned their brand and it's sold out within minutes I know I think it was the you know the school uniform stamp the name stamps oh yeah yeah Susie Verrill randomly just posted it wasn't paid or anything I think she just was doing her kids school uniforms like oh this is brilliant and the brand I think I think they're called stamp stamp Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Some stories like a few days later, and it was just a video of their post bags because it had oh just God. gone nuts. And in and I think they then contacted Susie and said, Oh, thank you so much. This has been amazing for our brand. Here's a code for you to share with their audience. So it can work really, really nicely. And I think it's so nice for small brands to get something like that because it just really elevates them. Um and all that sort of stuff if if the influencer tags them that all that engagement all that helps with their social media advertising it all gives the algorithm information about their audience yeah. and people that are engaging so that all helps and I, I think if you're if you can work out how much you're willing to lose then yeah I think it's worth it's worth I think what I would say is sometimes I mean it's tricky with the bigger influencers but it's always worth looking on their profile and just seeing what their options are to contact them 
because sometimes when you DM them, it gets lost in the black hole of mm. Instagram DMs. But a lot of them will have either an email address in their bio or if they've got the contact us button, there's usually an email address there. Not always. It might be their agent, but that's just worth checking because I do think sometimes sending an email is better than sending a DM because it just gets. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. The trouble with it, especially in like someone who's got a really active account, you know, everything goes into your DMs. Every mm. time someone like reacts to your story or like, you know, every single thing. So like the, they just get pushed down so quickly, mm. don't they? And you can't like flag them or like keep them at the top. So. And then there's primary general oh God, requests. And then there's yeah. also a, like a hidden, what's oh that? I don't know what don't even know. that's for. They yeah, make it easy, do they? It's... They don't make it easy. No, and I think that was meant to help the like primary in general. But I just, I just find things that have been sent to me like six weeks ago, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I'm really sorry, I totally missed this. <laughs> okay, fab. And then the final thing I wanted to cover really was the difference between we were talking about like the Instagram content wheel earlier, the difference between influencers and content creators, and how you might work with them differently. I had this conversation with um, a couple of other social media managers that I worked with recently because we had this same. <laughs> we had this same. Like, what is the difference? Yeah, and I would say. I mean, I do think this is maybe a little bit mean, but I do sort of think content creator influencers just created that term because they didn't like being called influencers. Yeah, <laughs> having thought about it a bit more, I think content creators, again, as the title title suggests, create really good content, but they might not necessarily be influencers. So you could potentially find a content creator that can create you some really good, especially with things like reels, can create yeah. you some really good content that they then just give to you that you use as you wish in your advertising, on your in organically across your channels. But you might find that there's content creators that are also influencers, so it's a little bit of both. So there's a there is a bit of crossover, but I think you're, we're seeing a little bit more of people that are purely. Which I think it's something that is a little bit more common on Pinterest. Ah, okay. I think con yeah. content creators, it's more you would hire them, send them some products and say, create me, work your magic. Yeah. And they would just supply you with the content rather than sharing it on their, their own channels. But as I say, there is a bit of a crossover because there's a lot that do both. Because there's some influencers out there that do such good content. They take lovely photos. They can create really nice stories and, and some really fun. Um, and not, I don't know if you follow Not So Smug Now. She does yeah. some brilliant brand reels that are really funny yeah. and engaging. And that's, as brands, that's what you want. You want your content to be engaging with the audience. You don't want it to be dry. So I think finding influencers that have got that creative bone in their flair. body. Yeah, creative flair. Yeah. Bone in their body, isn't it? Creative flair, then, yeah, that's definitely beneficial for you. And as and because especially if you're paying them, you can then obviously use the content on your own channels. One other thing to mention is if they're doing a reel, it's worth they would they would record that separately and obviously when you're paying and you get to see the content before for approval get them to send you the video as well for the reel so then you can also upload it on your channel if you wanted to and the same with the images and the stories as well yeah okay so that's really good so you yeah if you're paying them that's where you start to get a bit more of that uh, a bit more control because you would be yeah oh, yeah you would brief them so you'd send them a brief that says this is what you're promoting these are the key messages, the key kind of USPs. Please mention this, please mention this. And then you can also stipulate in the contract that if you were a baby bib brand, you want to make sure they haven't worked with one of your competitors in the last three months. You can, you can stipulate right. things like that. I've had high street brands where 
they want to make sure that if you're taking a picture of your new dining room table that you've been gifted and it's that's what the, the piece is about that you then don't have a load of uh, competitor brand stuff on top because like you know they don't want to pay you to do a brand post and then all the comments are like oh I love that vase where's it from yeah. it? and yeah. it's you go oh, it's like competitive brands it's, it's stuff like that that you can stipulate in contracts and things I mean obviously you will find that if it is something like a dining room table people will months later go oh where's that tape and it's a there's a bit of longevity in there as well if it is stuff that people use for a long time yeah yeah absolutely I think it's really interesting that mix between the content creator and the influencer who also does content and then I guess people like Stacey Solomon and Joe Wicks like maybe not Joe Wicks so much they don't necessarily create amazing content but people just watch them because you know they're interesting and they're just kind of sharing their real life mm. whereas I guess there are some influencers who actually create the most beautiful content or reels or really brilliant content so I guess it's working out what you want yeah when you're I, looking yeah. at the different influencers as well isn't it like yeah I think it's whether you want what something that's a little bit more polished or yeah. something that's a little bit more rough and ready that feels a bit more natural yes which I think there's place there's places for both of those things and again it, I think it depends on your brand mm, I agree kind yeah. of vibe is if you like rough and ready then there's lot plenty of influencers that are out there that do that sort of thing whereas others that are a little bit more polished that might work better on reels it really depends so that's why it's worth spending time finding influencers that fit within your brand and your kind of style because you that's what's going to engage the audience and that it makes sense because the worst thing you want is for a brand influencer to do something and you go, why have they, you know, what, why have they done that partnership? This makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's just making sure that you're all kind of aligned, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, brilliant. Well, that was incredibly helpful. So at the end of every episode, I always link back to Facebook ads and we have kind of touched on that a little bit, but obviously um, if you're going to be driving a lot of traffic to the website you've got your pixel on your website so you can then retarget those people if they don't buy straight away you could retarget them with an offer you could retarget them uh, with you know testimonials um, or your best sellers or that sort of thing so just making sure that you've captured those people and then you can retarget them also so influencers can be brilliant for social proof as well and giving your brand credibility and if you do get it in the contract and they're happy for you to use it on ads you can then use the contract they create purchase campaigns but also like engagement campaigns to make sure that as many of your um, audience or new people are seeing the content they've created as well um, and you're getting like the most from your budget right so that I hope you agree that was really incredibly helpful I thought it was fantastic but if you're at the point where you're like oh okay, I really want to try this influencer thing, but I don't really have the time to work out who the influencers are and I'm not really sure what to do next. Vicky, I have a feeling you have a package that might be able to help. I do, I do. It's my influencer discovery package. So that basically means I'll have an introductory call with you, learn a little bit more about your business, what, what your goals are, what um, kind of audience you have, what people buy from you. And then we'll put together a list of between eight and ten influencers so I basically will go off and do the leg work because small business owners they don't have enough time as it is they really might don't. you don't have time to spend you know a few hours and that's what it takes is getting into the nitty-gritty of influencers having a good old rummage around finding influencers that I feel would suit your brand that I might have previously worked with their style feels right for you 
And then what I'd do is we'd have another call after that. So I run through the influence of this, sharing some insight, some content they might have all done, why I think it's a good fit. And then kind of hold your hand, tell you how, you know, start engaging with them, make sure you're following them, liking, commenting on their posts, and then just sort of give you a little bit of a hand on sort of the next steps. And then I will send you on your merry way. (laughs) But I know, I know it's quite a scary prospect. So I'm here to hold your hand and no question is a silly question when it comes to this sort of thing, because it is completely new, you know. Yeah, exactly. Businesses didn't start their business to engage with influencers they started their business because they wanted to make amazing products so yeah, this can exactly. feel a little bit scary but that's what I'm here for brilliant and did you have a discount code and then I do so that it's to save 50 pound on the influencer discovery call package so you'd get it for 499 fantastic and I will make sure that I share the link to book one of those as well as the code in the show notes as well so you can refer back to that afterwards so if you want to follow Vicky for more tips and advice on influencer strategy uh, make sure you go and follow her over on Instagram which is at lemonade social underscore and again I'll put that link in the show notes as well thank you so much for joining us today Vicky thank you for having me it was lovely Thank you so much for joining me this week. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they're released. And if you have enjoyed these podcast episodes, I'd really love to ask you to leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Reviews are one of the major ways that Apple ranks their podcasts and it only takes a few seconds but really does make a massive difference to new people finding me. Thank you again for joining me, Sophie, in this episode of Growing Pains. See you next time.